today. Do you see it? This is a, the culmination, I guess, of our series, and uh, I'm really excited to kind of share this with you. We'll be in Isaiah 43, so if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there or open your Bible apps, and we'll be in Isaiah 43 primarily most of the day today. Uh, there's a couple passages, so if you're taking notes, uh, you can jot those down, um, but we'll be in Isaiah 43 most of the day today. Uh, today, I want to share about He is for you, and I love chapter 43. It's probably, um, you know, I, I, I probably say this every week. It's one of my favorite passages, right? So uh, I have a lot of favorites, I guess. But this is one of, my, one of the greatest chapters as far as really, uh, first of all, it really just elevates all that God is, all that he is uh, in himself. He is the Lord, and, and you'll see that over and over and over through Isaiah 43, uh, how important it is that we understand uh, the, how powerful, how majestic, how amazing, how glorious God is, uh, as well as how God sees you and me, that he is totally for us. He's all in. And so I don't know about you, but, you know, uh, if any of you guys like to play poker, like this is all the chips are in. He is all in for us. That's, that's really how much God is for us. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm like you. Sometimes I forget. Sometimes I don't give God the credit that he's rightfully due. Uh, you know, we go through life. We go through things. We like to take credit for things that we do. Uh, but I want you to see today, if you could walk away with anything, I just want you to see how active God is in all of our lives, <laughs> everyday life. Maybe you're sitting here and say, well, I don't feel like God is part of it. I don't feel like God is listening to me. Uh, let me just say, God is faithful whether you feel like it or not. He's always faithful. He's always active. He's always working on our, part, on our behalf. And thankfully he is because you know what? You don't always feel like worshiping and sometimes you don't. But he is still faithful even when you're not. And I'm so thankful that he, he doesn't change. He's the same. He's always for us. And you're going to see that today as we kind of go into Isaiah 43. But I do want to help you because sometimes if you're new to the Bible uh, or, you know, maybe uh, I'll tell you, reading even for me, sometimes reading the Old Testament, uh, reading all the scriptures, you get into Revelation. There's a lot of things that is hard to understand. So today, hopefully I can clarify bring some understanding and help you see. Because if you read Isaiah 43, you're gonna, you, if you just look at it in words and context, you're going to say, it's not for me. This is really for Israel. Uh, but I want you to see how God is speaking to all of us today. And I'll show you that here a little bit later. Um, so he's for you. Uh, let's read Isaiah 43, 18, 19. This is really the heartbeat of our series. This is where the, this is where the series came from. Uh, all, of our, uh, all of our messages and truths will always come from the word of God. It's not uh, just some uh, cool thing that we come up with. It really comes from the, the scriptures. Uh, verse 18 says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, and now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will make even the road in the wilderness. And in a New Living Translation, it says, Do you not see it? And we just drop the knot. says, Do you see it. Do you see what God is doing? God wants you to see, uh, as you walk into this new year, 2020, God, God wants you to see, not only is he for you, but there's a lot of things that God is going to do on your behalf as you walk through 2020. And that's really what I wanted to paint the picture. But he is for you. And today, if you're sitting here and you don't believe that, uh, I think you're going to leave today seeing how much God is an integral part of your life. Now, maybe you don't see it physically, like I'm seeing you and you're seeing me, or, uh, or, or you see things in life, or you see situations or circumstances. Uh, but I want you to know that God is working whether you see him or not. There's spiritual things happening. There's things in heaven happening. There's, there's conversations between Jesus Christ and the Father that are happening. There's things happening between the Holy Spirit and the Trinity that are all working together for your behalf, on your benefit. 
The Bible says he's constantly interceding and praying for you. The Bible says he's dancing for you. The Bible says that he's constantly talking and going to the Father with your name, by the way, and your life. He knows you intimately and personally. It's not just some uh, like global big company that you're just a number. That's not the way it works. God knows us all individually, purposely. He created you. He made you. He knows you. And so today you're going to see how much he's for you and all the things that you're working on and you're walking through, especially as you walk into 2020. Uh, for, we're really, today, I want to cover the verses right before this. So 18, 19 is where we, we get that. God wants you to see that there's new things ahead. Uh, and you're going to see how this all comes together a little bit later. But he, he's for you. He doesn't want you looking back. It's not that he wants you forgetting what he's done in your life in the past, but he doesn't want you remaining in the past. All right, he's doing a new thing in your life. He's doing new things in 2020, and he's doing new things in all of your lives. Uh, let me ask you a question before we kind of get into uh, this, the passages here. Uh, if you have a friend or a spouse or a coworker, how do you know if they're for you? How do you know if they're for you? you know, it's, a good, it's a good way to think about this. Obviously, God's at a whole different level than we are as finite people, but, but how do you know if someone's for you, right? I mean, you think about it, it you know, uh, the reality is, is whether you're in the room or not, right? So if somebody is for you, whether you're there or not, they're still going to stand for you. They're still going uh, to step up. They're still going to, uh, you know, stand up for your heart and your character and your integrity. Uh, even if the, the person that maybe is arguing doesn't, maybe they don't know you and they're saying things that aren't of you. Uh, if somebody's for you, they're going to stand up for you and say, no, 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 you've got, you've got John all wrong. That's not his heart. And they're going to stand up for you. Here, how do you know if someone's for you, uh, if you think about it in this way, even if you're wrong? What if, you, what if you mess up, maybe even sin, or do something that's uh, totally outside of, of, of your heart or your character, but you, you make a mistake? The great thing about if someone's for you is they're even going to stand with you through that time, right? Good friends, good spouses, uh, good families, that's, that's what they do, right? They're going to stand with you even when you're wrong. Now, there's accountability and there's correction. Like, oh, that's love, right? Love, uh, discipline is love. God says that in his word. Just because he disciplines you doesn't mean he doesn't love you. That's part of being for you. It's saying, hey, this isn't what I have intended for you. This isn't your best. And so a good friend will do that for you as well. A good spouse will do that for you as well. Even when you make, when you make a mistake, that's what I love about God. Is, uh, I mean, let's just all be, let's all be candid. We all blew it. We all blew it. Every one of us in this room, including myself, we've all blown it. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But God in our mess, still stood for us. And even, let, let's just put it this way. If the only thing God did in our lives, if, if, if he wasn't active, now I'm not saying he's not. I believe he's active every moment of every day in your life. But it, it, let's just say you're of the mindset, well, I, I don't see that. Even if, it was just because, even if it was just that he sent Jesus to die for our sins, that's enough. The fact that he paid for all of our sins on the cross, that is enough. That's all God needed to do. But we have such a good God, he does so much more. As if you could do more than Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. But every day he's active and he's part of your life. Every day, that's, the Holy Spirit is inside of us. If you're not a believer today, if, you're, if you haven't followed Jesus, if you haven't committed your life to Jesus, look, this is the big game changer for you. If you're going to follow Christ, if you're going to give your life to Jesus, if you're going to receive him as the Lord of your life, the game changer is, is he sends the Holy Spirit. He sends God himself to live inside of you. And it's a game changer because you've never had that before. And that's how important it is. He's part of your life every single day, every moment of every day. 
And so today, that's what I want you to see. He's for you. Today, I want let, let's look first. Uh, God says this over and over through, through Isaiah 43. I am the Lord. And it's so important that you see that perspective. He is the Lord. There's no other God. Now, that's been repeated all through from Old Testament to New Testament, from creation until for all eternity. He, he is the only God. Look at what it says in Isaiah 43, starting in verse, uh, starting in verse 10. It says, but you are my witnesses, O Israel, says the Lord. You are my servant. You have been chosen to know me, to believe in me, and to understand that I alone am God. There is no other God. There never has been, and there never will be. Period. That's pretty blunt, isn't it? Yeah, I, yes, I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior. First, I, predi first I predicted your rescue, then I saved you and proclaimed it to the world. No foreign God has ever done this. You are my witnesses that I am the only God, says the Lord. From eternity to eternity, define that. I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand. No one can undo what I've done. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee those ships they are so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened the way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. How about that? I am the Lord. Listen, it's a whole different perspective. And if you're new to the Bible or maybe you've never read the scriptures before, uh, I don't want to assume that you know the story of Moses, okay? But Moses and Israel lived under bondage and under captivity underneath Egypt. Egypt was uh, the nation and, and, and Israel was enslaved to this nation, Egypt. And there were pharaohs, which were like our presidents or like our kings today. And the pharaohs were in control and they really treated Israel poorly, very poorly. Beatings and, and so many things, working to death. There were some terrible things that happened. And Israel was crying out to God, God, save us. God, free us. And if you know anything about the scriptures, there was, there was a season of time where God sent plagues to the nations of Egypt. There was all these different plagues, flies and locusts and all these different things, 10 different plagues they sent. And what was God doing? He was giving them the grace to, to, to a heed and to obey God, but they wouldn't do it. And so finally it came to a place where they got freed and they, they ran for the hills. Now, if any of you were in that situation, how many would love the opportunity to run for the hills? Right? That's what they did. They ran for the hills. They were under some, some, some evil ruling and they wanted to get out. And they did. And God supernaturally protected Israel, all of Israel. There was a, there was a moment where, where the last plague was that he would kill all the male children in Egypt. The firstborn male children, he would kill all the male children. And God passed over those that that put the shed blood of the lamb over the door, symbolic of the blood of Jesus over their door. Passed over. And that happened, and then they got to flee for the hills. And then when they fled, when they fled from Egypt, they came to a, a place, they came to a, water, a bank of water that they couldn't pass. So imagine coming up on a huge bank of water that was impossible to cross. And all of a sudden, all they see is Egypt coming over the hills to destroy them. Egypt is mad, not only mad at the plagues, not only mad because they just lost their firstborn male children, but mad at God and Israel, and they are going to annihilate Israel. And God is reminding Israel during this writing through the prophet Isaiah, he's reminding them and he's reminding us, he's saying, look, look, I am the Lord. 
all of these things, and let's just make it surreal to you because you're not enslaved to Egypt and you're not in that place. But let me just tell you something. There's gonna be things that you are enslaved to, right? There's gonna be sins, there's gonna be bondages, there's gonna be things that are controlling you that God can free you from. Only God can free you from. Only God can save you from. Only God can help you become a new creation, a new creature. Only God can help you have the heart that he has for you. Only God can do this. I am the Lord. He repeats it over and over and over again. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I am the Lord that frees you. I am the Lord that saved you. I am the Lord that even sent Egypt. I am the Lord. Now, again, we were reading this, and, and it said, be, but you are my witnesses, O Israel. And so in reading this, if you're new to the Bible, sometimes you read this, you're like, well, that's not for me. That was for Israel. That was written to Israel, and that is true. It was written to Israel. Obviously, this was written thousands of years before Christ. He was speaking to Israel. Specifically, he's speaking to Judah, because at this time, Israel was separated. The north was called Israel, and the south was called Judah, but Judah was the nation that was following God. By the way, Judah was the smallest of the nations, the smallest of the tribes, and it was also the tribe that Jesus came out of, the tribe of Judah. This is where the Messiah came out of. So yes, he's speaking to Israel. He's speaking to a nation. He's speaking to a people. And a lot of times when you read the scriptures, and look, I had to learn this too. He is speaking to Israel. He is speaking to the nation, but he's also speaking to you. And how do I know that? Because in Romans chapter 11, verse 17, here's what it says in, in Romans. And if you've got your Bibles, you can flip over or you can just document it, uh, write it down and go back to it later. I will challenge you to do this. This is a very meaty chapter, but go home and read it. Go home and read what it says. Romans eleven seventeen. just, just one verse out of this, this, uh, uh, this chapter. I just want to read it to you. It says, and if some of those branches, speaking of Israel, were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, or you not being Jewish, you're not of Israel, you're a Gentile, you being of a wild olive tree, and some of you guys, some of you were really wild olive trees. You know you were. <laughs> 17 says, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them. Who were you grafted into? Israel. You, you were grafted in the people that were following and worshiping God. Not all Jews are following God. It's God's desire that every Jew is to be saved. It's God's desire that every human on, on the earth is to be saved. But not every Jew is God's people. Those of Israel that are following God and seeking God or worshiping God, those are who he's talking to. And he's saying, you are grafted in. John 15 talks about the vine and the branches. Jesus is the vine, the Father's the vine dresser, and we're the branches. And if there's any branch that's not producing fruit, if there's any branch that's not glorifying or worshiping God, what do you do? You cut it off. And in farming terms, if something's not producing fruit, you prune it. Why? So it can produce more fruit. So it's not, the dead isn't taken from the life right? You, you cut it off. And this is what Jesus is saying. Look, there's, there's the vine. There's Jesus. There's the branches. These are my people. And you as a wild olive tree, us, we weren't always following God. But when we chose to make Jesus Christ Lord of our life, the Savior, we chose to follow him with everything. When we chose to give him our life, we got grafted into that tree. We got grafted in. And Romans 11 says this, you, again, read it later. Romans 11 says this, that when you were grafted in, you were grafted in to the people of God, the, those that God has called and saved, and you were grafted into all the promises of Abraham and his seed. You were grafted in. 
Now make no mistake, this is not replacement theology. We don't replace Israel. The, the best way I can explain this is as a skin graft. You guys know what a skin graft is, right? Where you take a chunk of your butt and you put it somewhere else. That's pretty cool, right? <laughs> a skin graft, right? Now you take a piece of your skin from somewhere else in your body and you put it somewhere else where you need skin and you put that there and it becomes part of your body. Now it's clearly different, right? But it's also clearly the body. And the same way you've been grafted into this amazing family of God. Clearly we were wild olive trees. But what a blessing that the Lord himself, I, the Lord, have grafted you into my beautiful story. You are not replacing the tree. You're now part of the tree. You're part of the story. We're all part of the story. And we all have a beautiful picture. We all have a beautiful life. We all have beautiful gifts and talents to be used. Why? For the glory of God, for his kingdom, for his glory. But what a blessing that we've been grafted into all these beautiful promises that God has spoken from all eternity past. And by the way, it wasn't plan A, plan B, plan C. He always knew that you would be grafted into this story. So these promises, when he's speaking about Israel, that you're my chosen one, that you're my servant, that you're, you're my people, look, you're it. I'm it. Israel, those that are following God that are Jewish, look, they're it. We're all part of this amazing kingdom plan. Again, we're not replacing Israel. We're part of this beautiful, chosen people of God that God handpicked from the very beginning. And by the way, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for every person to have the same truth and the same salvation, the same promises. But he will never make you worship him. But those that will choose to worship, you will be part of this beautiful story. But everyone has a way. Everyone has the same sacrifice of Christ. The Passover lamb has been shed for you. So if you're here today and you haven't made that decision, now's your day. What are you waiting for? Today's the day of salvation, the Lord would say to you. Today's the day. I am the Lord. So when you read scriptures like this in Isaiah, I just want to encourage you. When he says, oh, Israel, says the Lord, you are my servant. He's talking to you as well because you've been grafted in. I've been grafted in. We're part of this beautiful story. We're part of this beautiful picture. He saved us. He redeemed us. Isn't it amazing that in Isaiah, he's saying, I am the Savior. Guess who's speaking? Jesus. He wasn't born at Christmas time. Jesus was speaking in Isaiah. He's always been, he's the eternal God. And he's saying, look, I am this. He can say, I, he knew he was gonna die for our sins. He knew he was gonna be through propitiation for us. He knew, he knew all those things. He knew that he was gonna replace our sin with his righteousness. He knew, I am your savior. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. There is no other God. There never has been. There never will be. All those foreign gods, they weren't here when I made everything. I am the Lord. So we need to make that abundantly clear when we talk about he is for you. There's only one he that we're talking about. All these other teachings that are out there, false teachings, all these other Google theologies that are out there, that everything leads to God is a lie. Never, ever did Jesus ever say that. The same God that said, I am the Savior, there's no other God, there's none other than me, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way to the Father is through me. So there is no other way. I understand people may say that. Look, you can still love them and disagree with them, okay? 
But let's be clear. God has been very clear. The reason why a lot of people believe this is because they've never read this before. Because they don't know God. They don't see God. They don't understand God. But they can know God. They can come to a place just like you have and I have and many of you have in this room where we're his servants, we're his witnesses. What a privilege, what an honor. Think about this, that the one and only true God, the one that made everything, the one God, the God that we don't deserve, looked at us and said, hey, John, I called you. You're now my servant and you're now my witness. What a privilege and what an honor. We don't wanna go back to our old self. We're now children of God, ambassadors of heaven, servants of the most high God. What an honor and what a privilege. And let me just go a step further. It is the most abundant and fruitful and blessed life that you'll ever have. The world won't say it, but I'm telling you, following Jesus is fun, it's amazing, and it's the best life you'll ever have. Everything else is a lie and a deception and a counterfeit. He's for you, church. He's for you. Second thing today is that I want to talk about, and second point is this, he makes a way in the path. I love how he writes this in Isaiah 43 and verse 15 and 17. He says, now he's speaking about Moses. He's speaking about that parting of the waters that I talked to you about. He said, I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse. Look, here's what God is saying. In that time, Moses was running away from Egypt. He came up onto waters. And God is reminding us, like, I will make a path and I will make a way for you. Look, there's really only two schools of thought here. Israel and Moses and everybody came running to that sea and two things were spoken. And by the way, you're either one of those people or you're the other. You're either negative Nancy or you've got the faith of a, of a of a God-fearing man. A lot of, most of Israel, all of Israel ran to the waters that day. They came to the waters, they looked back and they saw, they saw Egypt coming and all their chariots and their horses, all right? They saw, in our terminology, they saw the jets coming with rockets and they saw that, look, we're not gonna win this thing. There's no way, we're done. And here's what all Israel said. This is what all the people said. Imagine, I don't know how many people there, but I'm sure hundreds of thousands of people maybe even millions of people saying, God, why? Why? You brought us here to this crest of this water to die right here, this is it? You brought... And here's what they said, and I love this, and maybe this is where you've been. I've been here, so I'm just gonna be honest with you. I've been to this place where you get up on a, on a situation or a circumstance in your life, and you go, God, why? Why me? And this is what they were saying. God, why have you brought us here? It would have been better for us just to be enslaved to Egypt than to sit right here and die on the banks. It would have been better to be enslaved and in bondage. And maybe that's you. Maybe you've been in that place. Maybe you're there today. You're sitting at a river or you're sitting at some situation in your life and you're saying, God, why me? It would be better for me. I don't know why I'm here. Why are you doing this to me, God? Okay, that's one school of thought. Do you know what Moses said? And this is where I want to encourage you because it only takes one of you It only takes one of you to speak with faith. It only takes one of you to change whatever's happened in your life and someone else's life. Here's what what Moses said. Moses got up to the water and Israel's saying, not only to God, but they're saying, Moses, we're gonna die right here. And Moses says this. He said, 
The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. The Lord will make a path. The Lord will split the waters. I just want to encourage you today. Look, he's for you. It may not look good in your life. This situation may not look good. You may be standing on the riverbanks going, this, there's no way out of this thing. We're going down. We're going to, God, there's no way. The enemy is too strong. But did you read the same scriptures I read? Because God said, I'm the one that split the waters. I'm the one that made the path dry. And what else did he say? I'm the one that sent the chariots and the horses. I'm the one that sent Egypt. I'm the one that sent the enemy. Why? We don't look at situations like that, do we? We look at situations and we blame the devil or we blame the enemy or we blame God. But God is saying, I sent this into your life and I'm gonna reveal that I am the Lord. You're gonna see how good I am. Now, it's not like this all the time, but there's times where God uses these things to glorify his name and glorify his majesty and glorify his power. And maybe you're in one of those situations. Maybe you just need to stand in that riverbank and say, the Lord is gonna fight this for me. You know, out of all the wars in history, think about all the different world wars, World War I, World War II, Vietnam, Korea. Think about all these wars that we fought. Not one war was fought where the God did it for us. There was sacrifice. There was lives that were taken for, to fight, right? But this one, God said, and maybe this one in your life, maybe you're up against something in your life, and maybe God just wants to show you that he is the one true God. And not just show you, but show all your family, all your coworkers, and let's just be honest, the whole world that he's the Lord. Because when they got to that riverbank, God split the water, he dried the ground. They walked across, and then Egypt came running down through that same miracle, running through that same water on that same path, and God collapsed it just like that. Not one swing of the fist. Not one arrow was shot. God, like that, took away. I love how he explained it. It was like a candle wick. I went, over. That's so good. That's so good. That's a war I want to fight right there. But that, that's what God did. Look, he'll make a path for you. He'll make a way for you. The question is, are we like Israel saying, God, what's the matter with you? Why are you doing this to me? Are we gonna stand there with the faith like Moses and say, oh, the Lord's with me. He's for me. He'll fight this battle on my behalf. Keep calm. And I can give you a ton of New Testament verses that go right along with that, right? If you've got anxiousness, pray. And guess what comes on you? Peace, calm. And the Lord who surpasses all your understanding will come and give you wisdom that you couldn't even find out. You, it's unfathomable wisdom. It's the same God. Now, I love this miracle. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm one of those guys, man. I wish I could have saw that. Aren't you? Are you like that? I wish I could have been there, seeing the waters walled up like a heap. And the ground, I just, I just want to step on. I want to walk across it. I want to see Egypt blown out. I'd love to see that. You know what the cool thing about this verse is? As he says all this, and then the vision of this whole series comes in. And then he says, look, verse 18, don't remember the former things. 
He's talking about that miracle. As good as that was, look, remember one thing, that I'm the Lord. But as good as that miracle is, I've got new things for you. You know, if we can only sit there and look at our past, and we can only look at the past miracles, and we can only focus on that, we're going to miss what God wants to do in our life today. It's unbelievable to me that God is saying, look, as good as that is, I've got new things for you. I've got new things for you. I've got new things for you. Do you see it? Do you see what I have for you? Do you see what I have for you? Yes, I'm the Lord that split that sea. I'm the Lord that made that ground dry. And I'm the Lord that fought that war with no casualties on your side. And you're my servant. I chose you. I know you by name. That's how good he is. So whether you feel like God is part of your life, you need to know that God is actively for you. He's actively working on your behalf. He's actively fighting spiritual battles that you don't even see. Angels are working on your behalf. What is the purpose of an angel? To minister to you. So that you know that the one true God is on your side, that he's for you, he's not against you. There's no weapon that's formed that will, will prosper against you. Why? Because you have the living God that is all-powerful standing on your, on your behalf, on your side. I love that. Even death itself, which we're all afraid of, aren't we? Don't lie, you are. But you know what the Bible says? You'll never die. We're afraid of something that's not even real. You will never die. Yes, we'll leave the earth, but we will be with Jesus instantly, automatically. Away from here is to be with Christ. The Bible says you will never die. Why are we afraid of death when God says we're not here, we're there? That's how good Jesus is. That's how for you he is. In fact, the enemy always thinks he has you trapped or ensnared or entangled, right? That's his purpose. He's trying to trip you up. He's trying to get your eyes off Jesus and get your eyes on Egypt. He's trying to get you to look at the former things. Oh, you're not good enough. You're not holy enough. Or you don't make good decisions. You don't do enough things for the Lord. That's not what God says. Jesus says, do you see it? I've got new things for you. I've got new things for you. I want you to, I want to reveal, I've chosen you. I've purposely hand-selected you. I died for you. I have victories for you. I have wins for you. I have a plan for you. I have a path for you. I have seas that I want to split for you. Do you see it? That's what I believe for you. I believe 2020 will be the greatest year, not only for our church. I believe this will be the greatest year for Westerners that we've ever seen. But I also believe that that can't happen if it's not the best year for you personally and individually. And I believe God is gonna do tremendous, remarkable things in your life. And I don't believe it just so we can boast up our chest. I believe it because he's the Lord and he's doing great things and he has things ahead of you that you don't see today. I believe 2020 will be your most remarkable year. Why? Because that's who God is. And he loves you, he's chosen you and there's a lot to do for the kingdom and we just gotta get marching. We gotta get moving. Don't worry about the war in front of you. Don't worry about the war behind you because he's got it. Don't give it too much credit. Don't give it, the only person you want to give glory is Jesus. Don't glorify the situation, the circumstance, the situation. Glorify the one that you worship and say, God, I see it. I feel it. There's symptoms there. I understand it. But God, you, you're the one I worship. You think Moses had a plan to go to the sea, to split the sea? He absolutely did not have that plan. He went there just like everybody else, 
running and fleeing, being glad to be gone. But when he saw Egypt, the difference was is he chose to worship God. He chose faith out of his mouth is what made that miracle happen. It was faith in agreement with the one God that could do it. And he said, God will fight this battle. And it, boom, instantly happened. Put the staff in. He obeyed. He did it. And it happened. And that's what's going to happen for you, church. Look, we don't obey because we're robots. We obey because we love God. And we trust him, and he's always good, and anything he does is better than anything I could come up with. Let's not fight our battles by ourselves. Let's invite the living God to fight with for us and fight on our behalf. Watch and see that miracles won't happen. Maybe it's not a sea splitting, but you know what? If God wants to do a supernatural miracle in my life, I don't care what it looks like. You are amazing. Thank you. I worship you, and I praise you, and I trust you. Regardless if it's a C, regardless if it's a, a financial, you know, this is what we do a lot. I used to do this. God, I got that promotion. I worked hard. No, you didn't. Maybe you did. Maybe you did work hard. But you know what? God gave you the brain to think. God gave you the talent and the gift to do it. God created you and he made you. If he didn't make you and call you by name and put you on this earth, you wouldn't have that promotion anyway. He blessed you. He made you. <sighs> breathed life in you, gave you the gifts and talents, gave you the mind, gave you the health, gave you the wisdom, gave you the stature, gave you the increase. Now give credit where credit is due. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are so good. And yes, Colossians 3, I will work not unto man, but I'll work unto the Lord. And when you have that type of philosophy, look, it doesn't matter what man does. They may treat you unfairly. They may pass you up for an increase. They may look over you. It doesn't matter. I'm working for the Lord. And there's always tremendous benefits when my focus is on him and not on people. Not that looking at people is bad, but when, it's, when you're looking at people rather than God, look, you get misfocused, you get misguided. He's for you, church. He's got a path for you. He's got a way for you. And finally, let me close with this. He's called you by name. Look, Isaiah 43 says, starts out in a tremendous way. And this is where I want to just encourage you. If you're here today and you're saying, well, that's, that all sounds good, John, but it's not for me. Listen, you need to know that God has grafted you into his story and he knows you personally. You may not feel that way, but this is the truth. Look, sometimes as a preacher, Look, I can just bring up all the good verses and I can just bring up all, and I'm going to, I'm going to encourage you with the good verses, but you've got to believe that God has called you by name, that he knows you personally. Why? Because he tells you he does. The only reason why you don't think it is because you haven't agreed with his word. And if you agree with his word, watch and see. Watch and see. Know that he knows you and he loves you. Look, I know you've messed up and I know you and I've messed up, but you know what? God is so good to give you grace and mercy. He's so good to be patient and long-suffering with you. That's how good he is. It isn't a license to keep sinning. Paul says that's ignorance, but you know what it is? God, I am so thankful that you've chosen me. You've called me by name and I'm your child. God, I will follow you. God, I'm so thankful for you. And I know every time I take steps towards you, God, you illuminate the paths of my feet. God, you are showing me the right direction. Your path may be narrow, but it's the only way. It's the only truth and it's the only life. And it's good, by the way. It's abundant. It's a blessing. I'm telling you, this is the best life you could ever live. At the end of the day, we're going to worship Jesus and live for Jesus for all eternity. This life we live in on earth is but a vapor, the Bible says, but a vapor. And maybe you're looking at that and go, boy, that's really harsh. No, it's not. 
We're going to live here 100 years, but we're going to live for eternity with Christ. This 100 years looks small compared to eternity, doesn't it? But for us, this is all we see. But I need you to see there's a God that loves you, that has called you by name. Here's what he says. Let me close with this, and the worship team's going to come forward. Starting in verse 1. Now, please, please, please listen to this as he's speaking right to you, and he's speaking right to me. Verse 1 of 43 says this. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob. Insert your name, would you? And he who formed you, O Israel. You're grafted in. Insert your name. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are, everyone say mine. You're mine. I've redeemed you. I've called you. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt from ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place, since you were, you were precious in my sight. Is that how you see God? You better now. You are precious in his sight. You have been honored and I've loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not, I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I've created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. That's for you. Go home and read it 10 more times. You need to believe it. He's called you by name. The reality is that God is fighting every day for you. He is so for you. It doesn't matter where you're at, in the north, the east, or the west. He's doing something on your behalf. He's working on your behalf. The very fact and reality that people's lives, the enemy's plans will be thwarted and taken out. Why? For you. For you. For you. God is fighting for you every single day. He is for you every single day. You are precious to him every single day. He's not mad at you. He's not angry at you. He's your redeemer. He's your savior. He loves you. You're precious. And he calls you by name. He knows your name. So you may be sitting there today and go, well, God can't know me. He knows you by name. He made you. He created you. And you're here right now today by mistake but because God wants you to hear this I love you my son I love you my daughter yes I know your name don't believe the lie I've set you apart for something that only I can show you there is a path for you there is a way for you I'm going to make a way I'm going to make a path I will show you stand to your feet I just want to pray with you Lord thank you Thank you, thank you for this church. Thank you for this body. Lord, ultimately we come and we just say thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for being faithful with us when we're not faithful. Thank you that when we sin, you look down and say, I forgive you. Go and sin no more. Thank you, as, even as we stand here as your sons and daughters, Lord, for some reason we don't believe that you know our name. 
Holy Spirit, right now, show us yourself afresh, anew. As Paul and many of the apostles said, fill us anew, fill us afresh. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you for your goodness, your grace. And Lord, if there's anybody in this room right now that does not believe in you, that hasn't committed their life to you, that hasn't followed you, maybe they've made a halfway commitment to you, or maybe they they know they need to follow you, they just haven't done it. They haven't made that commitment and they want to. Right here, right now, Holy Spirit, meet them. And if that's you, just very simply in your own words, we're gonna go into worship, but you have to confess it out of your mouth. I can't save you. My hand can't save you. No one in this room can save you, only Jesus can. And he says, when you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you'll be saved. So simply, you just say, Lord, I'm giving my life to you. Forgive me, I'm repenting of my sins and I'm choosing to make you Lord. Lord, I will follow. I will stop leading and now I'm giving you my life and I'm gonna follow you. Just very simply, just like that in your own words, you just tell the Lord, I'm choosing you. You've already chosen me, but I'm in alignment that I'm choosing you to be Lord of my life. And if you're here today and you're standing at the water bank and you're that, you're like Israel. You feel like everything's crushing around you. You feel like everything is, that there's no way out of this. I just want to speak faith into you. I believe your faith is growing. I believe God is, the Holy Spirit is helping you just grow your faith, grow your belief, grow your trust. And I just stand here as Moses did and said, Trust the Lord. He's going to fight this battle for you. Keep calm. Stay faithful. Trust Him. He'll make a path. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm telling you, He'll make a path. He'll fight your battles for you. He'll fight them for you. It doesn't mean that you just sit back and be mediocre and you don't... No, look, it means that you trust God and you keep walking with all fervency towards God. And when that enemy is standing right before you, it says that he's under the feet of my Lord, which means he's under your foot. Because you've been grafted into this wonderful, beautiful family called the church, in which Jesus is the head of. So if that's you today, just look, make a different choice. Instead of being negative, instead of blaming God, say, God, look, I am. I'm sorry. Forgive me for having that mindset. And today, right now, I choose to trust you. I choose to look to you. God, how do you see this situation? Because all I see is water. But Lord, if you want me to put my foot in, or you want me to put my foot down, I'll do that. And watch and see that God will answer in miraculous ways in your life. And so Jesus, we honor you. We exalt you. We worship you right here, right now. We choose to make a personal choice to lift our voices, to lift our bodies, our, our emotions, our every, every part of us. We choose to exalt you today because you're the Lord and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, let's worship together and uh, Fred will lead us and we'll have some multitudes to pray for you, but let's worship together. If you need to commit your life, do it right now. As you're singing, just give your life to the, give your heart to God. If you need to say you're sorry for the way you're thinking, just do that right now, but let's worship together.